We're seeing snow chances overnight into tomorrow morning. Yeah, it looks certainly it gloomy rain. out there, like something's a coming. <laughs> uh, welcome to Eyewitness News Mornings at 10. Lots to talk about today, um, including a major holiday and mm -hmm. an anniversary. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and there are tributes to the civil rights icon. It's taking place across the country, including right here in our area. That includes a commemoration at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, known as BAM. A little later, Janice Yu is going to take us through that event and more. Also, it's been 15 years to the day of Miracle on the Hudson. Captain Sully Sullenberger somehow safely landing a disabled commercial airliner in the river. We're taking a look back at the amazing events of that day. And uh, the 2024 presidential campaign officially kicks off, kicks off tonight. The, of course, the Iowa caucuses, Republican voters there will decide in person who their preferred nominee is. ABC News Deputy Political Director Avery Harper is on the ground in Iowa. She's going to be joining us live to break down the race and tell us what it's like there on the ground besides freezing cold. Yeah, <laughs> right. Speaking of which, um, we do have to start with the weather. And if you did leave the house this morning, you saw that it was freezing. Oh, cold my gosh. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, Newscopter 7 was over the scene. Uh, this is in Edgewater, New Jersey. This morning, a perfect symbol of the harsh weather that we have been dealing with. This is a parking lot. This is the parking lot of the Comfort Inn specifically. It had some flooding yesterday, destroying the cars there. Uh, it transformed into a frozen pond, as you'd imagined. Right. Apparently, the hotel says they have nothing to do with the parking lot. There was much needed relief in other parts of New Jersey. The Passaic River has now dropped to a moderate flood stage. Flood is still in the title. It may not fully recede until Wednesday. Just in time for ice to glaze over everything, wow. right? Yep. Well, Mother Nature disrupting the NFL playoffs as well. The Buffalo Bills playing today after their game was postponed yesterday due to this snow right here. It's going to take a lot more than that to keep Bills fans yep. home, though. Dozens showed up to the stadium yesterday to help dig it out. Maybe having a little bit of fun, too. I've never seen people having sure. so much fun in those conditions. Yeah. The Bills host the Pittsburgh Steelers at 4.30 this afternoon. And I wanted to kind of take a, a look at the radar in Buffalo because the snow is still falling. That lake effect oh. band hasn't receded yet, not at least for Buffalo. Wow. 4.30 is a game. Yeah, a little further south is where Orchard Park is. And uh, the snowfall fall totals, the storm reports, oh, they're not popping in, darn it. Uh, but about 18 inches for, for the stadium in Orchard Park. I've seen those snowfall totals right cl closer to the the lake in the 30 inch range. So they have been hit <gasps> so hard with the lake effect snow. And in comparison, our cold but bright sky not looking so bad, right? We do expect those clouds to continue increasing today, but it was nice to see that we started with sunshine. 25 degrees right now. I wanted to start with a look at today's lows because this was a shock to the system. Even if you were prepped for it and knew it was coming, you still can't really prep your body for teens and 20s, right? That's no. where we started this morning and we've inched up maybe a degree or two across the tri-state, but still really cold. And then you factor in the wind and it feels like single digits and teens feels like 16 in Central Park right now feels like nine degrees in Newburgh. I really regretted the decision to not wear gloves walking into work this yep. morning. I it's know. just frigid. And now our attention turns to the snow. We're watching a storm system, a coastal storm system that uh, slides across quite a bit, of, uh, a few inches of snow as we move into tomorrow. So today increasing cloud cover for most and then it's heading into tonight that that snow shows up. It moves in from southwest to northeast. And as we move into tomorrow morning and afternoon, the snow continues. So one to three inches total. It means a very slick start to your Tuesday morning commute. You see the general range includes the majority of the tri-state. We'll get that snow transitioning to rain on Long Island as we move throughout the tomorrow, which is why that winter weather advisory is not in effect for Suffolk County. But 
A lot to watch in the forecast. We'll have more on that. Finally, you know, measurable snow. Hoping to snap the streak Let's in see. Central Park. We're at 701 days without one. We will see. Yeah. I know, right? All right. Right Thank now, um, a search is underway for whomever shot and killed a man on a subway train last night. It happened aboard a Manhattan-bound three train in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. We're learning a little bit more about what may have sparked the violence. Let's get to Eyewitness News reporter Reagan Meggie with the latest. Reagan. And we are learning more because police say that after they spoke to riders, passengers on that train, the passengers are telling police that this deadly shooting erupted after 45-year-old Richard Henderson of Brooklyn, who is the victim, was shot after he got involved in an argument over loud music. So let's take a look at some video. This all happening at 8.15 last night, this deadly shooting as the Manhattan-bound 3 train was approaching the Franklin Avenue Medgar Evers College Station here in Crown Heights. Now, detectives say 45-year-old Henderson was trying to break up an argument between two fellow passengers over loud music, and that is when one of the men involved fired his weapon at Henderson just as the train was pulling into the station. The 45-year-old Brooklyn man was shot twice twice, once in the back and once in the shoulder. Now, officers found him at the subway station. He was taken to Kings County Hospital where he was pronounced dead. The subway system is not, is not safe at all. I tell my sisters not to take the subway at night. I don't take it at, like when it's really too dark. Right now, I think it's okay, but it's scary. And as for the gunman, the police say that the gunman took off. They are now actively searching for that individual. And this deadly subway shooting is the first homicide in the subway system this year. We're live here in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Reagan Medjie, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Reagan, thank you. Our other top stories right now. Starting tomorrow, the city is going to impose a curfew on 1,900 migrants staying at four shelters. The locations are in Queens, Manhattan, and Brooklyn. Migrants will need to be there between the hours of 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. Anyone who breaks the curfew three times in a 30-day period could get kicked out. The mayor speaking this morning on the radio. We should not allow people to uh, come all times of the night, and we're going to continue to roll out. Of our goal is not to harm communities. The policy, which matches a curfew at Department of Homeless Services shelters and comes in response to residents complaining of panhandling by asylum seekers at all hours. Police are searching for a cab driver after a hit and run crash in Midtown. Eyewitnesses say a yellow cab hit a stroller carrying a toddler yesterday afternoon at the intersection of 48th and 6th Avenue. The driver, they say, sped away and hit another family, also pushing a stroller. An eyewitness told us the parents were knocked to the ground and the stroller with the infant inside was nudged. Luckily, nobody was seriously injured. Now to coastal erosion. If you missed it over the weekend, Michelle and I here on Saturday morning oh, yeah. watching the oh. uh, coastline erode with the series of coastal storms. Parts of our Long Island beaches are just eroding away. And now Senator Chuck Schumer says he's come up with a way to get the Army Corps of Engineers to fortify those beaches. 
He says that damage from one individual storm doesn't pass the threshold to qualify for assistance. But if you keep a running tally of the consistent storms that seem to battle the coastline, that should work. He spoke last week to the regional head of the Corps to propose recalculating the damages. And I know everyone on Long Island, especially the South Shore, is really hoping that that comes through. They need to help. We watched it Saturday morning just yeah. get worse and worse by the hour. You've been worse. talking about it ad nauseum. You and the entire weather yeah. team. So right. I'm glad that somebody, an elected official, is trying to do something about it. Has a plan. At right. Least. The dunes did their job. They kept the water away from the boardwalk, but now the dunes are gone. So. Right. All right, we're also keeping a close eye on the case of the Gilgo Beach murders. Alleged serial killer Rex Hewerman is expected back in court tomorrow on Long Island. Prosecutors are expected to charge him with a fourth murder. Maureen Brainerd Barnes, so here to discuss, is ABC News senior investigative correspondent Aaron Katursky. So good to have you. Good to be us, here. Thank as you. always. Um, Brainerd Barnes, um, Rex Hewerman has been the prime suspect in her disappearance from, from the very start. Ever since he was arrested how back in July. Exactly. So how are they able to finally pin it to him? We're going to find out tomorrow when he is due back in court, we're told, and expected to be charged with her murder in addition to the three others, Amber Costello, Megan Waterman, um, and uh, Megan Bartholomew, and uh, Melissa Bartholomew. He's pleaded not guilty to those, but the authorities have long suspected him, mm. Hewerman, in the death of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. She was found in the same marshy area, Gilgo Beach, and she was wrapped in a distinctive belt that bore the initials either HM or the other way around WH, the same initials as Hewerman's father. How long, so the, how long have they had this evidence? They've had the evidence for, Since for the, a while. For, yeah. And they've not really been able to piece it together until recently, but a hair on that belt was part of the, the DNA evidence that was used to identify Hewerman to begin with, and now they're finally ready to, to bring the charge. His defense attorney says all of this is circumstantial. You can't pin any one thing oh. on him, but prosecutors are pretty confident in, in their case. Are there more unsolved murders that, peop, you know, that they hope to eventually be able to prove at, at, Danny, at, le at least six, uh, oh, wow. and, and, and maybe more, depending on, on who you count as a Gilgo Beach victim, and, and different families have different ideas about that. Yeah. But for prosecutors, there are at least six other people that have been killed whose bodies were similarly found, and they're trying. They've gone across the country to different sites to see if they can find any evidence to link Hewerman to additional murders. But the pattern seems to be the burlap the burlap wrap, the, the, the kind of hunting burlap, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then uh, the wrapping of the bodies that way. What they don't know, or at least haven't said, is how these women died. They are pretty confident that Hewerman was soliciting them for sex, uh, and, and you can see his build versus their build and, right. and how difficult this must have been. He's hulking. He's a six foot four. How tall is he? Prosecutors called him an ogre. Wow. Uh, he is he's a he is, big he's a big dude person uh, and and the the women who are killed are are, are not uh, but they so they all fit that similar pattern found in a, in a similar area near Gilgo Beach all wrapped uh, not every victim was similarly found but uh, it's it's that nagging question of you know that that same dumping ground right. uh, m maybe there's something there if convicted wow. I mean of three or four or five however many and ends up being he's going away forever for but life, yeah. the the importance of tying him to these unsolved murders is that more so for closure for the families uh, well the families have had mixed feelings we, we spoke recently to the sister of, of Megan Waterman and she said yes finally she knows 
But she said, what took so long? 13 years to find a guy who literally was hiding in plain sight at, at his home in Massapequa. And you saw over several days, they dug up the backyard. They brought in the, yep. all the heavy equipment to yes. dig up the backyard. They searched a property in South Carolina. They went out to Vegas, to Atlantic City, looking for different clues and pieces of his life, which they've been going through. Detectives will tell you, I think, Danny, that six months isn't a long time, but for these families, it, it is It's an eternity, agonizing. right. Yeah. Oh, heavens. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having Such insight. Us. Thank you, thank you. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Across the nation, people are honoring the civil rights icon. And of course, that's happening right here as well. Yes. I went to news reporter Janice Hughes attending one of the many celebrations for Dr. King happening today in New York. She's live in downtown Brooklyn. Janice, I hope you're staying warm out there. Good morning, guys. It's a little bit chilly, but inside the Brooklyn Academy of Music right now, they are holding the annual tribute for Dr. King. Um, and there were people out here this morning trying to get tickets for this. And so it's about to start at 1030. So we have uh, just about eight minutes before everything kicks off. And it is one of the largest celebrations for Dr. King in this city. And organizers say it's a chance to reflect, recharge and support one another. And of course, be reminded of the message that Dr. King had. Now, people were lined up in the cold even before 8 o'clock this morning to secure those tickets. This year's theme is defending democracy, and the keynote speaker this year is Reginald Dwayne Betts. He's a poet, lawyer, and founder and CEO of Freedom Reads, which is an organization aimed at getting more books into prisons. And the celebration will, of course, include musical performances as well. I talked to one mother and daughter who say they come every single year and they were outside waiting in the cold for those tickets. Keeping the message alive, right? Um, King said that we'll move and walk hand in hand and believe that, you know, we are all one people and um, just unity. And I think we need that more than ever in this time. We do this every year, actually, so that we can just keep the message alive, like my mother was saying. And I just love coming out here to learn more and more about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And if you can't make it out to this one, again, it's going to start very soon. You can watch it online. It's being live streamed, and that is at BAM, that's B-A-M dot org. I'll send it back to you guys. Believe it or not, today marks 15 years since the miracle on the Hudson. A bird strike shortly uh, after takeoff at LaGuardia forced Captain Sully Sullenberger to land the U.S. Airways plane in the water. All 155 people who were on that plane survived. There will be a tribute this afternoon on the west side of Manhattan. Right now, we're bringing you our own sort of tri tribute right here at Eyewitness News. Here's a snapshot of the experience that day through the lens of our coverage. And a remarkable story unfolding a U.S. airplane, an A320 Airbus, uh, heading from LaGuardia to Charlotte, taking off about 316. Got up to just taking off six minutes into the, into the flight, about 3,200 feet above the ground. And when something happened, we believe, we believe uh, some sort of a flock of birds, perhaps geese, had hit. And you can see just the, the back wing, the tail wing of that U.S. Air, Airways jet with 146 passengers, five crew members on board. We do not know if all the passengers are out yet. I saw the plane was coming down uh, below uh, the uh, radar zone. I thought it might be a terrorist attack. As they got closer to the water, I saw the pilot. He made a, latch, a last ditch effort to try to gain altitude. And um, 
he, he did that for a certain for, for a few seconds and then the plane just came down and plopped on the water had he not done that he would have damaged the fuselage these are pictures right now passengers being brought to shore passengers brought to shore and they are looking good right there that is a good sight to see there's no fatalities reported this current could turn out um, to be just quite uh, an amazing amazing miracle it would appear that the pilot did a masterful job of landing the plane in the river and then making sure that everybody got out i had a long conversation with the pilot he walked the plane twice after everybody else was off and tried to verify that there was nobody else on board and assures us there were not. We've had a miracle on, 40, on 34th Street. I believe now we've had a miracle on the Hudson. You just never prepare for something like this. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sorry. My, my speech is probably kind of gargled, but uh, I'm just scatterbrained right now. And um, just happy to be standing here, I guess, with all these people looking to, looking to ask questions, you know, so... Hey, God bless, man. 155 passengers and crew were then able to put on life preservers and get out onto the wings of the plane. Now, by this time, first responders arriving, they were jumping into the water as well. Fire and police boats arriving to rescue the passengers. They said the pilot saved your life. I just glanced over and looked out over across my balcony, which overlooks the river, and I, the plane was lower than you would imagine. I hang up the phone, I watch it. The perfect landing. I know a lot of people have been talking about the pilot. Uh, I don't know the man, but I want to kiss him. His name is Chesley B. Sullenberg. You're looking at his picture right there. His bio says he has 40-plus years in the aviation industry. Dave Sanderson says the only person who remained calm was the pilot, who never seemed to lose control. He's the one who um, made the right call. He made the, and he handled it, he handled it with grace when he said it grace for impact. It wasn't yelling or anything, brace for impact. They are surely shaken up. That man smiling, uh, thankful, obviously, to be alive. Hallelujah for him. Oh, chills. Shout out to our producers for putting that together. I think that was John who put it together. Um, man. Same here. Goosebumps. I was hoping we were going to show Robin because I remember Robin saying that she was in her high-rise apartment and could see it happening right through her window. Right. Whoa. Amazing. She wants to kiss him. Uh, and everybody wanted to kiss him. Yeah. But it, we kept saying, you saw the lower third, that it says the plane crashes in the Hudson. It yeah. landed no, in the Hudson. No, and that nose landed. came up. And he made sure that it just Miraculous. Didn't, yeah. Just oh. like this. Unbelievable, yeah. right? I lived on the West I Coast, like and I remember hearing about this right? story. But I had never stopped to think about the fact that it's January and freezing cold in that Isn't frigid it? water. Yep. And, I mean, just a miraculous operation by so many different people. To Wow. No, no, no fatalities? A no fatalities. Yeah. No, and he made sure that he walked the plane twice. You heard Mayor Mike yeah. Bloomberg. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Johnson's voice in there as well. Tim Fleischer. Diana Williams. Diana. All the greats yeah. of Eyewitness News. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Bill Ritter. Off the top. Incredible story. And this morning, many Americans are waking up to a real blast of winter. And that includes Iowa ahead of tonight's caucuses. It's the first taste, the first contest of the 2024 mm-hmm. presidential campaign. It's not just a poll. This is voting in person and there's no voting by mail. Yeah, so all Republican voters have to brave this bitter cold to cast their ballots as we head into tonight. And to help us set the table for the big night, we're joined now by ABC News Deputy Political Director Avery Harper. 
Avery, you're on the ground in Iowa this morning. Number one, how are you feeling with the cold? And number two, the coldest caucus on record in Iowa, I believe. How do you think it's going to affect turnout? Well, thankfully, I have not had to go outside today, and so uh, it's very cold for the folks who are heading out to uh, caucus sites tonight. And, and I'll tell you, this is going to be the worst weather, the coldest weather in the history of this contest. Uh, this has been happening since the 1970s, and so uh, there are concerns about uh, turnout because of the weather. We've also had a couple of snowstorms here in the days leading up uh, to this contest, and uh, so it has upended how some of these candidates have campaigned. Uh, I have talked to the Iowa uh, Republican, Republican Party chair. Uh, and he says that he is still expecting robust turnout, uh, but maybe not record-breaking turnout because of this cold. So let's talk about this very first contest, right, of 2024. Um, Avery, um, the Iowa caucuses acts as somewhat of a litmus test for what's to come in 2024. Do any of these other candidates have a chance against Trump? Well, we know that former President Trump is far outpacing any of the other candidates who are in this race. Uh, and so pretty much for anybody who is not named Donald Trump, it is really a race for second place. And so uh, for Nikki Haley, I think if he, she comes in second place, right, that gives her a bounce heading into New Hampshire, uh, where she is in striking distance of former President Trump when you look at recent polling. Uh, for uh, Ron DeSantis, he has a lot riding on what happens in Iowa. Uh, he has invested a lot in this state. Uh, he has visited all 99 counties. He has establishment support, uh, the endorsement of the governor here and evangelical leaders who are really important in the state. And so if he does not come in second, if he underperforms, comes in third or even fourth, uh, it really begs the question where he goes from here, because his outlook is not any better when we head to New Hampshire or any of the states down the line. These caucuses, uh, this goes back to what, 1972? It doesn't go back that far, but it's sort of old timey. I mean, isn't this getting people in a room to literally talk about this. Many of them have met the candidates because they've been out working so hard to meet and talk to people. And they do all of this on paper ballots. Is that right? Right. And so Republicans have actually done this contest since 1976. And uh, it is a defining characteristic of the caucus uh, for those folks to gather in their precincts with their neighbors, with their community members, uh, to cast ballots, uh, to figure out who is going to be the nominee, who they want to be the nominee. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, this is really just a small slice of the electorate. Uh, Record-breaking uh, numbers here for participation have only been about 186,000 people who have participated uh, in this contest. And so so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out tonight. All right. All right. Thank you. Avery Harper keeping her eye on it. Thank you for that, Avery.